Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 144 of Process to Profitability. In an online space where so much is automated, it's important not to forget the importance of human connection and relationships as you scale your offer. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Vartanian to talk about human connection and what it means and how we can use it as online business owners. We discuss how you can automate without losing connection by weaving it throughout our businesses. Sarah also shares opportunities to connect with our dream clients or customers that many entrepreneurs miss. And the best part about doing this human connection work is that it not only benefits your clients or customers, but it also benefits your business as you grow and scale your offers and make them better for future customers. Sarah Vartanian is a launch copywriter and strategist who helps people-focused business owners tune into the words that make the people they love to serve feel seen and heard so they can foster genuine connection and make more sales. Be sure to connect with her on Instagram and download the launch map on her website if you want to get her entire list of the different pieces of copy you need in order to launch and some ways you can incorporate human connection into those automations. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Samantha. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I'm excited about this topic, but before we jump in, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got started in your business? For sure. So I'm Sarah Vertanian, and I am a launch strategist and copywriter, which basically means I can help you plan your launch and put it out into the world. Everything from what should you do for your launch event to what would be the great lead magnet to grow your audience ahead of the launch. And of course, do all the copy in between. How I got started, well... I didn't start in anything to do with launch copywriting, actually. I started in my business uh, officially in 2012, and I actually was on my second maternity leave. And I decided it'd be a really good idea to open up like an online cloth diaper store. (laughs) I was cloth diapering my son. I was really into like green living, sustainable choices. And I thought it was like pretty difficult to find information. A lot better now than it was then. And so I thought... Like this is a great thing to do with my mat leave. <laughs> so, I mean, and I'm in Canada, we get a year of mat leave. So I had some time. So that's actually how I got started in business. But as I was doing the work, running my cloth paper store, Instagram was still pretty new. I was using it. Um, but I was also doing like a lot of blogging and like writing other people's blogs. And what I found was I loved the writing part. I loved the educating part. I loved the talking to the customers and finding out like, what they needed from me and how we could reflect that in the copy on the website to help them, you know, find the right product for them. So right away, like copy was drawing me and writing was drawing me. So a couple of years in, I actually closed the business and opened up this like green mom's blog essentially. And I had met it, made a lot of connections through my cloth diaper journey. And so I had quite a few like wellness people contribute to the blog. And then I started writing for other businesses so quite a few like green beauty companies wrote came out to connect with me or even some other like companies um, in like the education space because I was a former teacher. 
And so I started writing their newsletters and their social content. Um, and suddenly I was a social media manager and like a content <laughs> creator. Um, so I did that for a few years, really on the side of teaching until eventually I took um, a leave. I haven't gone back. Oh, spoiler alert, I like fully quit a couple years ago now. But while working with these companies on their social media and newsletters, some of them decided to start to launch. So most of my business owners I was working with were service-based, like the one-to-one. But as you know, as a service-based business owner, sometimes as time goes on, you you say like, hmm, how can I take what I do, like my signature offer, and scale it? And so I had clients at that point, and they're like, well, Sarah, can you help me? Like, you're doing all this writing for me. You know my business. Can you help me write the sales page? Can you help me write the launch copy? And so I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I started doing that before them. Um, at the time, I was also setting up their tech actually in the back end. And so that evolved into, I got to a point where I decided like, I just really love the copy part. And I had been taking a lot of copy courses through copy hackers and other places where you can you know, learn more of the mechanics behind it and decided that I was going to niche right down. So I let go of all my social media work and just focus right in on launch copywriting. And that's been the way it's been for a couple of years now. I love that you shared that whole journey. So many business owners that I've talked to have had a very winding path to get where they are. And it's nice to know that we're not the only ones, that everybody shifts and changes and where you start out is not usually where you end up in an online business. So true. And I think like, I remember a few points during you know, the past decade almost now that I thought like, does this even make sense? Like, it's been all of a waste. You know, when I close a cloth diaper shop, I'm like, was this a waste? And then I remember I had a coach at the time who was like, no, everything that you're doing like connects, right? Like it's all learning about being in business and there are connections all the way through and you might not see them right now, but it's going to become clear. And I should tell you that now as a copywriter, the number one thing that I do with clients is we do research, right? Before we write, we have like, we read the internet, you know, we creep social posts, we have interviews, we send surveys. And guess what? I did that when I started my cloth diaper business. I like read all the Facebook groups to find out like the most relevant questions. I was like, you know, I had a post purchase survey. I would reach out to customers and like connect and ask them like how we could do better or what do they need from me? And I didn't know what I was doing then. <laughs> like was anything like, you know, that was like really a good idea. I just thought like, I need to, I need to understand. So I'm going to ask questions. Um, but realize that that is still a huge part of my business and actually the way like great copy gets written and how you connect with people. So I think it's been cool now to be able to look back and say, oh, like there's a thread. There's the other thread. Oh, like, look how this taught me this. We need. You definitely learn through all of that, even if it doesn't seem relevant. You know, your journey has been from selling cloth diapers, which are products and educating that way into copywriting for online businesses. So they're very kind of different in some ways, but those threads definitely weave through the whole story. So today we're talking about scaling your offer and building relationships. And it's all about human connection, which I think is so important. And we've talked a lot on the podcast about automating because it's an important piece of business, but we don't want to lose the connection piece. And I think that is something people are so afraid to let go of that they're not sure how to do it well. So let's start by talking about what exactly human connection is and how we use it when we have an online offer. 
Yeah. So when I think about human connection, I'm thinking about how can you incorporate you and your clients into your sales and service process? Because like the truth is, as we know, like buying something is never just buying something, right? We're all like, we're human. We're all bringing like our past experiences with shopping and like the good, the bad. And I, I always think like even like those cringy middle school bang period of your life, I mean, at least <laughs> for me, right? look at those pictures. And all of those can play a part in our buying decision. And so, you know, because before we purchase, right, we've all done like a little bit of creepy on Instagram, or we've like read through bios and testimonies and offer details. And we're all really seeking that question, like, does he, she, they get me? Can they help me? Right. And even if that he or she or they is, a, you know, a bit like a, a big brand or, a, you know, a solopreneur, we're, we're wondering these questions. So when we can incorporate human connection into our online offers, we can answer that question for people so they know, like, this is the right thing for me and this can solve that. And I think about the story I like to tell is how, so I love the Dyson Airwrap. Okay. So, and for all of my life, I had like pretty fuzzy curly hair and I really didn't know how to deal with it. And so hence the cringy middle school bang period <laughs> of my life where I think my mom was trying to help me. Um, didn't really Looking back, I'm like, I don't know what she's thinking. But anyways, like this is sort of before there's like straighteners were relevant and we didn't have that. So my mom would help me like, you know, round brush my hair straight. But then of course it would get like rainy outside. It would just get frizzy. And I've always had this like dilemma with my hair. Later on, I got a straightener and I still couldn't do it myself because I have a lot of hair, it's thick. And so I used to try to bribe like my sister to help. And then when I was like living with my now husband, we were living together, I'd be like, okay, I'll watch baseball, but can you help me with my hair? And I would like pass in pieces of my hair while we'd watch <laughs> like baseball on TV. Um, so he'd do that like every Sunday night for me. And I would like see how many days I could stretch it because I could never do it alone. You know, and then I used to be able to use mousse too to curl it. But then once I had babies, that didn't work anymore because my hair changed. The point of all of this is like, I have tried a lot of hair products. Like if you think that there's like a hair product that says about like anti-frizz or, you know, to style your own hair, I bought it. And so when I heard about the Dyson Airwrap, which if you don't know what it is, it's basically like a Dyson, like it's like a magic wand where you can like change out the top of it with like a hair dryer or a curling iron basically or a brush that straightens your hair. And so I was really intrigued by this brush component, like putting this brush on it and be able to do it from wet and to straighten my hair. But it's like the Dyson, you know, if you know things about Dyson, you know, they're pretty expensive, right? So I think mm -hmm. it's like almost $700. And that feels like a lot, but I'm, but when I compare all the things I've done and spent and the time on my hair, I'm like, mm, that could be worth it if it works. And so, you know, before I decided to purchase it, I did so much research, right? Like I read through all of their testimonials. I watched all the videos on their site. And then I also went over to YouTube to see like people who were probably gifted it from Dyson, but I wanted to see all different hair types to see if it actually worked. And then I looked at things like their guarantee. Like what if I invested $700 and like, it doesn't work? Like, am I just out of luck or can I get my money back? You know, and do they have a payment plan because that's a lot to put up front as well. Like I didn't have $700 when I wanted to buy it. It was like right before Christmas last year. I didn't really have that in my bank, just like ready to dole out for a hair product, right? So all of these things I brought to my purchase and yes, like I bought it, 
And yes, it worked and it's amazing. And I've been able to like now straighten my own hair, like much to the happiness of probably my partner, <laughs> like my sister when she comes over. So now I can do my own hair and that has been hugely life-changing for me. Like I love that I can do my own hair in like 15 minutes. You know, I'm 43. I can finally do, like, take care of it myself. And so I tell you all this to say like, we're all bringing stories and experiences and things to what we buy. But until we know what's going on with the humans and people we want to work with, we can't actually address that for our online offer and how we can best support them, what they need from us, what they need to hear from us before they make their buying decision. And we can't really like empathize or get to know what's happening. And so I think when we're talking about human connection, it's really about listening and responding um, you know, with empathy and kindness and accessibility something that's going to work for the folks that we want to work with. I love that story. I have curly hair too, and I have tried a million things and finally at like 30 years old, figured out what works for now. And, and it's such a good point that we are doing the research to look into these things. And so many people have like, when they're coming to you, they have worked with a lot of different people or they've tried it themselves and they're coming to you for a reason. And I had a coach say recently that people buy the how and the who more than they buy exactly what your service is. You know, they're looking for how do you get them to that transformation and who are you to get them there? Do they connect with mm -hmm. you? And so we have to remember that as we are talking with people, as we're writing our copy. And I think it's easy to fall into, well, I'm just going to tell them like, the great things about this and forget all of the human pieces that are going to really connect more than just the stats. Absolutely. You know, I want to add on to what you're saying is I find um, a lot of times. So in my, when people book a call with me, I have like a series of emails reminding them to come, you know, to come to their call. And I have to tell you, I get so many comments on the beginning of that sales call around like, I love your, you know, I love those emails. Like, I want you to do that for me. And they're, and they're not like lengthy emails or maybe like four or five sentences, but there's just like a flare of personality in them or like a little bit of like just me. And then they're like, I already want to work with you. And I feel like those emails, you know, take me like 75% of the way to like getting people to say like, yes, I want to sign up for this five figure project. Like, and then we, you know, we go through the process of like, yeah, that sounds good. But like half of that is they've already like, I like what you did. I like who you are, as you're saying, and you've proved it to me. So now let's just like, let's take the next step. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that because what I hear from people is they want to automate things, but they're afraid that they are going to lose that piece of connection if they are just sending out automated emails. So can you help us think about what does connection look like? if we are automating parts of our businesses? We're often thinking about like removing ourselves from the process of selling or serving so that we can create something that's like passive or scalable. But there are so many ways to weave connection into those automated processes. So a few of my favorites would be to let your personality shine through in your microcopy. So microcopy is like any of that copy that's like in your application forms, you know, when it says like, you know, first name, last name, maybe you have pronouns, like you can share yours in there too. You might, you know, in your application form, it might say like, who sent you my way? And so my microcopy is like, let me know who I can send air kisses to. Like just little flavors of your personality can be woven in there. 
Um, also in your contact forms when people are signing up and then microcopy too under like any kind of captions or GIFs. Um, I know, again, like in one of my emails and people sign up, there's like a fun gift of like me dancing on something. I'm like, you know, it's basically me right now. Like just like little pieces of copy like that. Um, you know, your CTA buttons, those are all perfect spots to let your personality shine through, which don't require you to write like tons of paragraphs, right? Another one would be to create a welcome video. So when people, you know, sign up to work with you, whether that's like one-to-one -one or in a course, that you have created a video does not be personalized, but just like really genuinely sharing your enthusiasm and why you're really happy they signed up and they took this next step. I think that post-purchase email is such a missed opportunity often to connect with people and just like really love on them for making this decision because what, you know, whether they've bought something that's $47 or something that's thousands of dollars, they've made a commitment to work with you. We don't know how that fund is in their life. Like that could be, you know, that $47 could have been a big investment for them the first time, but they've also put their trust in you, right? So when we really like love on them, say hi, greet them really nicely, it creates a great experience as opposed to just getting that invoice. And then we sort of like peter off, right? And that often happens. We've seen, I'm sure you've seen that too. You bought something and it's kind of like, all this, like, you know, they're in your face or in your, in the, they're sending you emails or all connecting with you until you make that purchase. And then it just sort of flatlines until you work with them. So I'd say put something in that post-purchase email. Um, another thing, speaking about the post-purchase sequence, is it great to set up an opportunity for folks to give you feedback and check in with how things are going. So um, in my post-purchase sequence for my membership, I actually use Video Ask for this. And so video ask like a little video that's automated that people can reply to, but you don't need to use video ask. You could even just have an email that says like, Hey, how are things going? Have you been able to, let's say use the product Is anything getting in your way? Let me know how things are. Just hit reply and tell me. And that way it's an automatically set up for people to, you know, encourage them to reply to you, but it's a great idea to do because it's a chance to jump in for support before things go sideways and people get upset. I like to set up these like check-in emails about let's say two to three weeks after people sign up for something before your guarantee is probably up, right? Before they decide like, I'm actually like not getting support I need or I'm really stuck. It's such a great way to check the temperature and how things are going, let people know about your experiences or find out that they're like loving it, right? Like we wanna hear that too. And so that can all be set up to be automated as well. So those are my top three favorite ways to include them into your automated processes. I think those are great. And a lot of us have services and we might not start a project right away. And so having that process after they purchase and they pay you know, a deposit, which is a lot of money for people, but they haven't actually started working with you. I think there is that lull where you feel like, are you still here? You know, mm -hmm. and having something that's easy for you because it's automated, but gives them like just the reassurance that I'm still here. I'm still excited. I have not forgotten about you or ghosted is so important. And I, I love the idea of doing that with video because that's a way to really connect with people and like you said, it's not like you're recording something new every time. It's something that you can do once and then use it throughout your different processes. Absolutely. And as you're saying about that, like, especially for service providers, 
what something else you can do is that you can sort of drag out your onboarding process a little bit. Um, if you're not going to start with them right away, like let's say you're going to start in a month, you can spread out the things that you collect from them. You know, like the, you know, maybe you have a questionnaire or maybe you have like they have to gather assets. And what you can do in each of those emails is actually add a PS that says like, you know, in a couple of days, I'll be back in your inbox for X and just like kind of let them know what's coming so that they know what to expect. And as you said, alleviate that like, do they forget about me? Are they still like, do they still want to do this? <laughs> so they feel really assured and they're being well taken care of. Is your website actually working for you? There's only one way to really know if your website is supporting your business, the conversions you're seeing. That's why I've created a guide with five updates that you can make right now to get a higher converting website. Everything else, the number of visitors, your follows on social media, your Google ranking is just vanity if it's not doing something bigger. The power of a well-designed strategic website is in moving people from checking you out to getting engaged. In this free guide, I'll give you five simple things you can update on your website to start getting more engagement and turning visitors into clients. You can download it now at lemonandtheseed.com slash five updates. That's lemonandtheseed.com slash the number five and the word updates. So what are some other ways maybe that aren't automations that we can weave human connection into our businesses? Yeah, I'm going to share my top four ways based on like different scenarios. So one would be if you're having a launch event. And so I think of it a launch event, like anything you're doing to launch, let's say it could be your service, it could be your product, whatever that is, um, you know, your online offer. How can you include your audience in your event? So for example, like when I did a webinar before, I invited folks who signed up to submit some of their copy that I could use as an examples and give feedback on. Um, or another time I did like a hot seat session as a launch event into actually a service working with me on sales pages and people could submit their sales page for like a 10 minute hot seat. And so again, like I incorporated them into it. They were really like bought in. They wanted to see if like they were chosen. People like seeing other people's stuff in action. And for those who I didn't choose, I actually still gave them like a really a personalized Loom video on the back end of it afterwards. So think about how do, can you include your audience? It could be like just them submitting questions ahead of time and you choose some that are like sort of the most juicy or the ones that speak to the, you know, the biggest group out there. Number two would be if you have a community of any sort, you can automate regular check-ins, which then of course you can follow up personally. So I learned this actually from Heather Crabtree. I was part of one of her communities um, a few summers ago and she did something where it was like on Mondays you share a goal on Wednesdays, there was like a check-in and it was all around. I think it was like green is good, you know, yellow is okay and red is stuck. And it was really nice to see that every week. And I've included that in my own community, right? So people like, again, you know how things are going. You can like get involved before things go too sideways and people get really upset and you don't know about it because you haven't asked. And then on Fridays, there's a chance to celebrate wins and it doesn't have to be business. It could be life as well, but it's a chance to celebrate each other. And so thinking about your community, how can you do regular check-ins? Maybe you have a Slack channel instead. So you could have like a win channel or a struggle channel or just like a weekly goal channel. What can you do to do that? And then speaking of celebrations, I think sending emails to the folks who are within your programs or courses or memberships, if you have an online offer like that. So thinking about collecting some of those wins and including them as part of the emails. So maybe every single you know, month at the beginning of the month, you send them 
people a reminder of like, here's our upcoming calls or here's what's new. And in there, you can include like, and here's some of the wins our community is celebrating, right? And you just like bullet point it, like Sarah did this and Samantha did this. Or you can just, you know, maybe it's like, Tommy like judged a 5K, like doesn't, again, doesn't have to necessarily be like about what they're doing, but celebrating the people there and acknowledging them. And then the fourth one would be setting up opportunities uh, to get feedback and to connect with people. So that would be, you know, having a post purchase survey or even like why people didn't buy, doing onboarding forms, like ways to collect and gather information so that you are constantly knowing what's going on in the hearts and minds of the people that you want to work with. So again, like that could be an onboarding form if you're a service-based business owner, or if you have an online offer, an offboarding form, how do things work, like a chance to gather testimonials. Also asking questions like, what was missing from this? Or like, what do you wish this had? Or, and then also of course, like, what did you love and how have things changed? But you want to make a habit of regularly gathering this information, it makes it so much easier when you next time you want to launch something or write something to go back and like look at all that stuff that you've gathered and that feedback you've gathered so that you can write something that speaks to the people that you want to work with, right? Because you're actually incorporating like their words and their feedback and allows you to constantly be refining your offer and making little tweaks so it gets you know better and better for the people you want to work with. And then of course you're able to sell more because it resonates further. Yeah, I love that this really accomplishes two things in your business. Like you mentioned, you are getting this feedback so that you can make your offer better, you can sell it better, you can create the update the copy so that it resonates more. And you're taking these opportunities to get ahead of any problems individually that people might be having so you can really serve them well. So it's all about serving the people that are already working with you and helping your business to grow in the future. And I love that it's both of those pieces without feeling like you're sending people surveys only after they have ended their time with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what are some missed opportunities that business owners tend to just skim over if they're trying to connect with dream clients or customers? I would say it would be not setting up those interviews and surveys and onboarding forums. Um, not like sometimes I speak to folks and they're worried about asking questions, like they're worried that they're bugging people or they're a little bit like worried about like, what if they get negative feedback and someone's like mean, you know, they say something (laughs) mean. And I have to tell you, I've sent like dozens and dozens of surveys and seen thousands of responses and I've never seen something actually truly mean, like ever. Um, so I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I'd say it'd be probably like a really rare experience that people will be, I mean, most people just won't bother filling out your form then, honestly, if they don't, like, if they're, yeah. if they're feeling pretty negative about things, they probably won't, or they would have already sent you an email yeah. to speak to you about it. So I would say, like, that's not something to worry about. And, you know, I don't think, like, folks don't mind, like, filling out surveys, if you, especially if you, like, you're not doing it too often, and you know maybe like twice a year and you're explaining to them why you're doing it and especially when you put them at the center of it like right so if you're sending a survey to your email list saying like i only want to send you the best resources and create offers that resonate with you but i can only do that with your help right so if you know do you have five minutes to support me and oftentimes like you'll get a bunch of people who will fill it out and or you know you could if you wanted to you could as like a teaser like you know p.s 
I'm going to choose three people for like maybe a 30 minute one-on-one with me, or I'm going to send you this, you know, maybe you have like a, maybe you have like a little like online workshop or something you could send them, or maybe you just like give them a coffee card for five bucks, like for a couple of folks, like just, you know, you don't have to do that, but you could do that if, it, if that made you feel a little better um, about sending out the surveys. But I think that we need to incorporate those things in as much as possible. And because again, when we do, we actually learn what they need. So we can't connect with people if we don't set up opportunities for connection. And also if we're only always looking for only like, I'm air quoting here, but like the good stuff, right? Like we also want to know why didn't you buy? Like what got in the way? Um, you know, maybe even else, like who else are you following advice from? Or maybe it's like, again, like I said, the question before was like, what is missing from this offer that you wish was here? How could this have been better for you? Was there any, you know, anything else that you would like to tell us? So oftentimes patterns will emerge from those type of questions, which you'll say like, oh, everyone was wishing, let's say that I had a few like video tutorials on how to use ConvertKit, let's say. And so that's an easy thing that you can incorporate into your work, right? Like you can say, okay, I can record a couple of things like that. And then it just tightens up your service or your online offer. And then people have a better experience, which means, you know, your results will continue to improve. So I would say, again, just to reiterate, going back to like, look for ways to include surveys, onboarding forms, questions, and connect with people to find out what's on their hearts and minds and make that like a regular practice as part of your business. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so helpful to know where people are at, especially before the kind of end of working together wrap-up survey. There have been many times as a service provider that I've sent an email and I've said, you know, what do you wish that I would have done? And they might say something. And I'm like, well, if I had known that during the process, it would have been really easy. It would have been 15 minutes and I could have done Mm -hmm. it but they're not necessarily going to send me that email while they're working together. And so it's really helpful to check in throughout so that we can really show up and serve our clients or our students better and give them the best experience possible. And that always benefits your business. Absolutely. I think, um, and I want to add on to that is that in my onboarding form, a question I started incorporating that I never used to have was, are there any kind of like roadblocks that you could foresee getting in the way of like this program, like this being a success? And it's been really interesting to me, the kind of questions that popped up. And the reason I did was because I learned sort of like you were saying like, oh, I wish I could have like, I could have done something about that. That I had some clients say like, oh, I just need a little more accountability or like I lose track of time pretty easily. So like that's helped me put in a different timeline for people. Now I send these certain emails like every, you know, on every, on Friday, I send a certain email just like with a recap of what they need or what might be missing. And that was like an easy thing for me to do, but I didn't know, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't included the like, what are the roadblocks? And if there's other things happening with clients, it helps me know, okay, like this is, this is sort of the red flag I have to watch out for. And if this starts happening, at least I can come back to that survey and say, oh yeah, remember when you, you know, you started working with me, you said this might be an issue. Well, like I see this happening right now. So like, let's talk about that. And that way we can sort of get it out in the open as opposed to like, we both know what's happening. No one's talking about it. (laughs) So it's just interesting the things that come up when you're open to hearing responses, like you're saying. And there's usually often easy fixes we can do. 
Yeah. And usually, I mean, my husband is a teacher and he says, he tells his students all the time, if you have a question or you have a problem, there are other people that have that question. So if you get a response from a client, generally doing the work, you know, the couple of minutes that it's going to take is going to benefit more people than just that one person that responded. Yes, for sure. All right. So are there any other things that you wanted to cover when it comes to human connection and building these relationships that we didn't in the questions? I would say that I just want to remind people that like all great connections start with listening. So when you spend time having like heart to heart conversations with the people you love to serve, it's really the best way to gain clarity on like what matters to them and figure out how you can refine your offers to best support their success. Awesome. So we always wrap up with the question, if you could recommend one thing to a friend, it can be business or life, what would that thing be? I would say to have more conversations. And, you know, this is me being, like, I'm an introvert, but I would, which is why I like to think of like them as heart to hearts, right? So have more conversations, set up time in your calendar that you can regularly connect with people, be it your clients, be it other people in business that maybe you want to work with. I know Samantha, you and I had a chat, like a chance to chat a few weeks ago. And, and that's been amazing. Look for more people that you can bring into your world and talk to. And it doesn't have to be in like big Facebook groups. Just set up time in your calendar, send out an email to some folks. I think I've often been surprised in business how many people are willing to do that. Like if you're like, hey, um, I'd love to connect with you. I love what you're working on. Do you think we could chat? Like, I'd like to get to know more about you. And so many people, you've probably found the same thing, say like, yeah, let's do it. And who knows what can come out of that? But also for you, it's a chance to grow your connections, not be so alone in business. And then of course, if on the flip side, if you do it with your, build amazing offers and do good work. Yeah, I love that. And I have really been concentrating that on that in my business is just trying to have those conversations you know, not even expecting anything to come of it, but getting to know people in this online world, because it can be lonely, especially now that, you know, some of us have been stuck at home for a really long time. So it's good to be able to connect and build relationships. Absolutely. It has been a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So where can people find you online and connect if they want to learn more about what you do and the things that you offer? Anything. So you can find me online at uh, www. Come on over to my website, silvertainium.com slash launch dash map. And I have there a launch map you can scoop up. And what it is, is an editable copy by copy Google Doc. It gives you every piece of copy um, in terms of what you need from list building to post-purchase from sit and, and your pre-launch. And it tells you exactly what to send and when to send it. And even better, it gives you a walkthrough of my heart-to-heart messaging strategy. So you can figure out how I collect all the data from my private copy clients and use it to write launch copy that leads with human connection. You can start doing it too. Perfect. I will include that in the show notes so that people can download that. It sounds like it's going to be super helpful and just very thorough in everything that you need so people can know what they have to get in place before they start launching. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm excited for people to listen to this episode and start making even those small changes to see results for their business and for their clients and customers. 
thank you so much for having me on today, Samantha. It was great chatting with you about this. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.